Simon, 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 down here, first left. The, the receptionist said it's first left. This is the first left. No, 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 this is the second left. This is the one marked autopsy. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? That's the one where you go get your legs cut off. I, I'm not here to get my legs cut off. I'm here to get my plasters taken off. Well, why am I pushing you around in this pushchair, then? You broke my legs. Oh, it that tree! Look, well, let's not go there again. The point is, I'm here to get my plasters Watch the wall! What? You're steering. I'm not steering. There's no wheel on this thing. Oh, there's no pleasing you. I'm trying to turn you around. Just, just get me down there. I'm so desperate to stretch my legs. Yep, here we are, here we are. First left. No, no, this is the first right. No, this is the first left. You turned us round. Now the first left. What? This is too confusing. Just open the doors and get me in there. Okay, alright. If you insist, I'm sure this is the wrong way. Here we are. Sure about this. Yep. Here's the table. Here am I. There's the saw. No problem. Just wait for the doctor to come along. These will be off, and then I can give you the sound kicking you so desperately need. Why do you want to wait for the doctor? It's only a saw. Simon, put the saw down. I can do this. I've sawed things up before. Yes, but you weren't supposed to saw the things up that you sawed up. And it was a table leg. It wasn't level. I sawed a little bit off the table leg. We were still using it. My mm. dinner went on the floor. But it was level then. It isn't now. Uh, mm, yeah, yeah, actually, fair enough. And it's only about a foot tall now, isn't it? Because we tried to even it off. Yeah, we have to now eat dinner cross-legged, thanks to you. Well, it's like being in a Japanese house. Sadly, we are Japanese. Mm, anyway, really. put the saw down. Oh, are you sure? Can I not just have a go? It looks very sharp. I think professionals really ought to do this. Oh, come on. Keep still. I'll do it. Hang no. on. Hang Sa- on. Simon, no, put it down. Just keep still. Do it. Keep still. Keep still. Keep but, still. No, no. Put it down. Put it down. Simon. Simon. It's Simon. Oh, it's a bit different now. It's very thick. What's, what's this made out of? Oh, oh. My leg. Mostly my leg. What? What about? Not so deep. Not so deep. But I've got to go deep to get through the plaster. Not so deep. Uh, oh, it's really tough. Hang on. I'm just going to pull this out and try again. <laughs> okay. There's a oh, lot of blood, isn't there? Oh, uh, that's my blood. It, it's coming out a bit there. Just, just, just stop. Stop. Hey. Please stop. Please stop. I tell you what, I'll try a bit further down. No, it's no. really. Oh, ow! Oh, that slipped. Sorry. Is that my toe on the floor? Maybe. Would you like to pick it up? Not really. You chopped it off. I'm not a professional. Look, we need to recover that so that I can get it sewn on again later. Well, OK, I'll, I'll just put it in this glass of water on the table. Do you want me to have a go with the other one? No, 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 no. I tell you what, while I'm sitting here, bleeding quite heavily, would you like to do something else while we wait for a professional to come and have a go at the other one? don't pick? need a professional. We do need... It's easy. Simon, I'm bleeding. Oh, do you want me to stick a plaster on it? There's a plaster already on my leg. That's the problem. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let me get the saw. No, 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 no. We will wait. While I sit here bleeding out as it happens, shall we just talk about something that will entertain you and keep you busy? How about some Genesis? Oh, that would be a good idea. I do like a bit of Genesis. I know you do. Now, put the saw down. Put it, that's it, on the table. Step. Step away. Okay. Now, what specifically would you like to talk about this week? Where were we up to? Me bleeding, mostly. Oh, yeah. Look, it really is pooling quite heavily down there, isn't it? It is, it is. <laughs> My toes are going blue. The ones you've got left, anyway. 
thank you for that. We've just done the Lamb Lies Down. We've just done the three specials. That must mean we are now on to... A trick of the tale. A trick of the tale. Ah, oh, yeah, great stuff. This is, uh, this is a good album, this. Yeah, I enjoyed this album. Hmm. Before we get into the album, uh, feedback. Yeah, I just want to thank everybody who's listened to us so far and also uh, for giving us nice feedback on Facebook, on the groups. It's really appreciated. Yeah, it's surprising how many people we've got. Uh, all right, not many, but around the world. I mean, we've got people in different countries that are ignoring us, uh, listening to us. Yeah, we had uh, our first um, listener from Nigeria. Uh, that's a few weeks ago. Our first death threat. Yeah, that's right. Our first injunction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all coming up at Revelation Station. It is indeed, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, as you say, we've had quite a lot of nice feedback, mm-hmm. which has been nice. Um, it's always interesting to hear what people think of us, um, even when it is mostly negative. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, if you want to send us that feedback directly rather than commenting on the Facebook group, you can send it to us at our email address, which is the Revelation Station Podcast at gmail.com. We're always happy to receive that. We are. We always like, um, I mean, we do this thing just for the fun of it, for yeah. us, uh, which is good because nobody's listening. But it's always nice to know what people think, where we're getting it right, where we're getting it wrong, yeah. where we're getting it awfully wrong. <laughs> uh, please stop. Please, for God's sake, stop. Please cease yeah. and desist. Whatever um, they want to say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you've got something like that to say, Please send it to the, the email address. Um, and also, if you are listening to us on SoundCloud, you will notice that you don't get all the episodes. Um, and also, there are special episodes which are not posted on SoundCloud. So you can get every episode by coming to us at the website, which is revelationstationpodcast.com slash episodes, if you want specifically three episodes. And that's where they can find all the little intricate bits and pieces, plus all the, so the stuff that you write, because you do our, our webpage for us. Yes, the little blog posts. All the little right. bits and pieces you write, yes. your little whimsical ditties. <laughs> you, can, uh, you can read that. And, uh, I also post some interesting videos on there, on the website. Some of them are legal. Some of them are legal. And you can hear my exclusive exclusive remix of Turn It On Again. Yes, which is very good. Yes. Yeah. So join us there and send us feedback. Yeah. In the meantime, shall we talk about this, this album while I sit here bleeding? Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. What are you eating? It's not your toe. Better not be my toe. Why would I be eating your toe? That's disgusting. What else are you eating in here? Did you bring snacks? No, I just found something in that drawer over there. You worry me. So anyway, <laughs> trick of the tale. A trick of the tale. This album, they've just started, they've just recorded this album. Peter's now left. Well, there's a bit more of a story to it than that. Yeah. Because Peter Gabriel obviously left at the end of the Lamb tour, which was May 1975. Mm-hmm. So the band immediately went back into the studio without Steve Hackett to start off with to start recording new music. Okay. So where was Steve Hackett? He wasn't sure that the band would carry on after Peter left. So he decided to record his first solo album, which is Voyage of the Acolyte, which I highly recommend. It is a very, very good album. 
So he really didn't have any faith in the band at this point? No, at first he didn't. He, he knew they were going to try and carry on with another album, but he, he wanted to hedge his bets, I think, and decided he was going to record a solo album. That paid off really well. I say it's a good album. Um, but he then joined them a little bit later on as they all started recording. So did he have much input into the writing of this album? Uh, to start off with, no. But as we'll discuss as we get into the tracks, he did contribute quite a bit to this album. Okay, so anyway, this album was released in 1976? It was. So Peter left in May 1975, and the band kept that quiet. So they didn't announce that straight away. So they went into recording. Um, in the meantime, Charisma started putting out adverts looking for a singer for a Genesis-style band. Because Phil Collins wanted to continue the band, but just as an in- instrumental piece, didn't he? Again. Again, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like, oh. Phil, leave it alone, Phil. You're not gonna be an instrumental band. Nobody wants to hear a forty-five <laughs> minute drum solo, Phil. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, and Phil, I don't think raised that again. <laughs> no, I think I think you know, ringing it up twice and being <laughs> hammered down twice. Yeah. Most people would go, I'm gonna leave that. <laughs> hey guys, <laughs> Phil, no, look it on the head. Yeah. I wonder if when he left in uh, 1994 or whatever it was, whenever it was he actually left a band, if he said to them, you two, you, should, you two should carry on as an instrumental band. <laughs> <laughs> and they went, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. funny. Funny Phil, very funny. <laughs> so they reportedly received 400 audition tapes. Wow. This was before anybody knew Peter Gabriel had left the band, so these people weren't auditioning for Genesis. They were auditioning for a Genesis C band. Exactly. So 400 audition tapes. So, which you, can, which you consider at the time Genesis were not a major band. No, they were just getting to that superstar status. Yeah, so that's quite good. Yeah, to get 400 people who want to join a band like a band that isn't very popular. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the band started recording in July 1975 without a singer. So they'd written songs. They were jamming together in the studio, recording the music with the idea that they would audition for a singer and they'd have an album ready to just record when they found a singer. Okay. In August, the melody maker broke the news that Peter and Gabriel had left, with the journalist who broke the story declaring that Genesis was over. Wow. Yeah. So they spent the rest of August basically doing interviews to make it clear that they were actually going to carry on and they got an album and the damage limitation exactly and they yeah. were writing an album they got an album really they pretty much by this point got almost all the songs ready to be recorded so when they were when they were writing for this hmm. was the album was this a fresh off the bat album or were they using stuff that had previously written this as far as I know is all stuff that was fresh off the bat they didn't, none so of they're not rejigging anything from no, previous albums no because Steve Hackett had quite a few tracks left over from uh, we may have me- you may remember mentioning Cell in England and Foxtrot yes. Steve had tracks that they tried and didn't work he used those on uh, Voyage of Acolyte so mm-hmm. he had no extra tracks left the others weren't into solo albums at the point so they had nothing so they went in and they were jamming and writing new songs so they, they sat down they wrote this they were still at this point singerless yes they were auditioning so they went into the studio in October to start recording they still hadn't found a singer by that point what was the main problem was it, was it because they were looking for somebody to sound like uh, Peter Gabriel or were they trying to find a new sound and they couldn't identify it who knows they, I, don't, I don't know it doesn't really say they just they couldn't find somebody they liked don't feel that they were looking for somebody to replace Peter. Right. I think they were looking for somebody who would fit with the music they were writing. Which is ironic because Phil Collins does sound a lot like Peter. He Gabriel. does. He does. Yeah. yeah. And so in the studio they recorded um, the music in October when they went into the studio, still looking for a singer. Mm. They actually found somebody and brought him into the studio to record a few tracks. 
Now, Phil Collins was teaching the auditionees how to do songs. Yeah. So he was basically singing them, showing them how they wanted them doing, and then seeing how they did it. And this guy who came in, who's called Mick Strickland, um, he came in and recorded a couple of songs with them. Where do I know that name? No idea, because I don't think he stays. Sounds familiar, though. Murderer. Well, it could be. Maybe, yeah. maybe, I don't know. Um, but they liked him, they liked his audition, but when he came in to record the songs they'd written, they were in the wrong key for him. Uh, so it didn't work. I've always found that almost every piece of music's in the wrong key for me. Yeah, exactly. I'm still looking for the band that helped me with my off-kilter singing. Yeah. And I'd be a superstar at that point. So would I. Yeah. If only I could find the right music. <laughs> I'm thinking it should have something with bagpipes in it, but that's just me. Yeah. No. Yeah, so um, as I said earlier, you know, Phil Collins does sound like Peter Gabriel. But actually, what, I've, what, I, what I really meant was, uh, Peter Gabriel, as his voice matures, started to sound more like Phil Collins. And if you listen to the earlier Genesis albums, mm. he doesn't sound like Phil Collins. Mm. You only get confused when you start listening to the later uh, Peter Gabriel solo stuff, mm. because his voice matures or he uses it differently. Mm. He actually starts sounding more like Phil Collins. I think that's where people start thinking they sound the same. I don't agree, I think. Do you want to fight about it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think what you're saying is vaguely true. So you're saying I'm vaguely not an idiot. You are vague. I am vague. <laughs> um, I think start off with Peter Gabriel didn't sound like Peter Gabriel does or did in Genesis. No. I think towards the Lamb, Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins' vocal styles are very, very similar. Yeah. And there's that crossover. I think probably selling in England, the Lamb, Trick of the Tail, Wind and Wuthering. I think those vocals, Phil Collins sounds like Peter Gabriel, Peter Gabriel sounds like Phil Collins. But then after that, they both start to change. So when you get to Peter Gabriel's solo stuff, I don't think he sounds like Phil Collins at all. I think he sounds more like a ma more mature Peter Gabriel. Yes. And as Phil Collins gets more used to being the singer, he sounds different as well. I think it's very evident when you listen back to this album. Mm. Phil hasn't got the power that he would later have in his vocal range. So Mick Strickland came in to do this audition. Mm -hmm. He couldn't find a key appropriate to his singing voice. That's right, they tried him out on the song Squonk and it didn't work. So Phil asked if he could sing that song. Now the band, up to this point, they'd already written a few songs that they thought Phil would sing on the album anyway. Uh, Ripples, for example, was written specifically for Phil to sing. So even if they'd got a new singer, Phil would still have sung Ripples. Um, but the band didn't think he had the, the vocal power to handle the rest of the songs they'd written. So they, they were, they, at this point, nobody thought Phil was going to take over. So Phil asked to record a version of Squonk, and it blew the others away to the point where they decided that Phil was the only person they, that could be the singer. So they decided that Phil's a singer. Yeah. So That's Phil's a yeah. And Phil didn't want to be the singer. Mm -hmm. um, he was very reluctant to do it. No, he, he just wanted the percussion. Exactly. He, he wanted to play drums. I mean, man's he, a drummer. So Phil has said many times that he feels lucky to be paid to do something that he would do for free, which is play the drums. And he's always only ever wanted to be a drummer. Um, he was a world-class drummer. He's such a good drummer. He, yeah. He's one of the best drummers in the world. Or was. Sadly, yeah. he can't do it anymore. So which it, is that's a, a real shame. It is. Because he had a particular style. He did. And he... He influenced so much of 80s music with his drum style. Definitely. But I'm sure we'll discuss that when we get to the 80s era of Genesis. Mm. But well, I mean, it, it, you don't have to wait that long. I mean, it's evident on this album. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, he's already a, a top drummer. Mm. I mean, you think of the drummers at the time. You've got Keith Moon, you've got John Bonham, you've got Phil Collins, and you've got Bill Bruford. They're probably the four best drummers that guy in the world. Paper Lace. Paper, yeah, the, the guy Black Lace. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but those four guys, they're probably the best drummers in the world, not just in rock music. Yeah. They, you know, they're so good. 
and Phil's on it. Yeah, indeed. So they decided they were going to get Phil to record their whole album, which he did. And at that point, they still thought they would get another singer in to go on tour so that Phil could just be the drummer. So we could have ended up with a situation where the album was recorded with Phil singing it, and then they got another singer in, and then they recorded other albums with this new singer, and Phil just went back to going playing the drums. I don't think anybody would like that on tour. If you went to see yeah. them on tour and Phil didn't sing yeah. and they had a completely different singer, mm-hmm. it would it would almost be a tribute band at that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. So that, that wouldn't have worked. But Exactly, and the, the rest of the band told him, pretty much said, that, that was not going to work. So Phil basically said, if I'm going to be the singer, then I, I am going to choose who I get to play drums on tour. And he chose Bill Brufford. Yeah, which was an interesting choice. Which was interesting. He was the the drummer for Yes when they started. At that point, he he had just left King Crimson. I thought he went to King Crimson after this. No, no, because King Crimson split up by 1976. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, So, yeah, so he went on that tour with them. He only did the one tour, which was the Trick or Tale tour, and he basically said, that was a mistake, I wasn't a good fit for the music. Really? Which is why he never did anything else with it. But he came in and he was good. And he's a good drummer as well. He is a very good drummer. Uh, But you only get to hear him on one track on Seconds Out. Oh. And Cinema Show is the only track on Seconds Out from Trick of the Tale tour. Oh, okay. I mean, whether it was conscious or not, you can tell Phil Collins' influence in this. This album is a definite new direction for the band in how it works. And I'm specifically talking about the fact that we now get a lot of tracks that are percussion-led. See, I don't think it's Phil Collins' influence No, I don't that think changes it was... the sound. I think this is the sound of a band that's now free to do what they want without Peter Gabriel shackling them almost. Because Peter Gabriel, he was the controlling force on the lap, which is why it doesn't really sound like another, any other Genesis album. And they kind of, they, this album again, although it has throwbacks in sound to things like Sell in England, it doesn't really sound like those albums either. It sounds looser and... It does sound looser, as you're mm. saying, but at the same time, percussion has become more to the fore. Yes. A lot of the tracks now start with drums, which we've not had yeah. before, and are led with a steady beat. Mm. One of the tracks on this album, they've always stated that one of a Led Zeppelin track was their yes. main influence. Yeah, Squonk. Yes. Yeah. Because of the, the, the drum beat and the, the you know the repetition mm. of that drum beat. Yeah. And that is that is evident on this album, far more than it's been on previous albums. Yeah, definitely. I mean And we get to hear it more as the as the albums continue. This sort of uh, drum intro yeah. with a drum beat, we get to hear more and more of Genesis tracks as we go down the line from now. Yeah. I mean but when you, you, when you say that, Phil's influence, but this is more Tony's album. I mean, most of the tracks on this album came through Tony. Um, yeah. Tony and Steve, I mean, they collaborate, well, they don't so much collaborate as in sit down and write songs together, but Tony would bring a thing in and Steve would bring a thing in and they'd go, hey, they could, these two pieces would go together really well, which is where you got Entangled from. Yeah. I mean, that was a, a Steve guitar part and their Tony keyboard, keyboard piece. Thing. I just think they just seem to be 
freer <laughs> in what they're coming up with rather than having somebody there saying no 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 let's do no 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 we're doing it this way I've got to sing this so we're going to do it this way I mean, because Phil's not a singer he's like yeah whatever Right, also, whatever, I'll do it. Also, the themes of the songs yes. are a little more loose. Yeah, rather than being tied down to fantasy or um, religion or that that sort of vague ground where they where they've hung around before. They are kind of fantasy though. They kind of go back a little bit towards the twee in places. Um, and we mentioned in the lamp that Peter Gabriel vetoed doing a version of. The Little Prince as a concept album because he thought it was twee. And some of the songs in this album are a bit twee. They are, that is true. <laughs> but that's not to say they're bad. No, no, no. no that's it. Oh, that's that's a good album. Yeah, it is. It is a good album. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, no. Uh, we hated it. Um, but, I mean, this was their most successful album at the time. It got to number three in the UK. It did. Number 31 in the US. In the US. Uh, it recovered a good chunk of the debt they were in. That's because it went gold yes. about seven months after release. Exactly, yeah. And that um, paid off the, the what was it, 400,000 in debt that they oh, were yeah, at that point? something like that, yeah, yeah, yeah it was a lot. Um, so they paid all their debt off, they got rid of their lead singer. Not quite paid all of their debt off, but a good chunk of it. Enough to be able to tour again. Yeah, mm. yeah. So they did the short tour there. We've got a new singer, a new sound, essentially. Mm. Yeah, very much so. I mean, you're right, it is, it is much looser, more percussion-based than some of the songs. But then again, that was a conscious effort. Phil had been playing with a few other people in the interim, so he wanted to bring that. Um, he, he said that he wanted to bring kind of loose, Santana-y, jazzy sound. There is a certain jazzy hmm. sound to the album. Yeah, I mean, he'd been in, playing in with certain areas. Playing you know, with the Brand way, X. Yeah, as, the, as you say, the way the music, yeah. the, the instruments are used in this, it's not as structured, shall we say, as yeah. in, you know, regimented is probably a better word yeah, that we're exactly. used to. I mean, we've lost a, a bit of the, the weirdness that Peter Gabriel yeah. added to the band. And so it's more straightforward rock, almost. It is. I mean, some of the individual uh, instruments, like the keyboards mm. and the uh, strings, which were given, you know, a preference in previous albums for whole tracks, basically. Mm. They're now used as, as an ensemble yes. more than, than they were previously, because yeah. we used to have a whole track that started off the first three minutes entirely keyboard or, yeah. you know, strings. And now we're getting more of a round sound of a whole band. Yeah, I mean, and it makes sense because they're four musicians. They're all in a room going, what do we do? Mm. Let's start jamming. Yeah. Rather than coming up with something and then the singer going, I'm going to sing over that, which was one of the complaints they had about Peter yeah. Gabriel. You just sang it. So now they go, well, there's going to be singing over this bit, but not that bit. And we can decide that. It seems like maybe it's more democratic maybe. now that Peter Gabriel's It's certainly got a better sound. Mm. Well, not, no, better's, not, better's harsh. Different. It's, it's different, that's it. Yeah. I mean, we've... As you say, new era, instantly clear that we're starting a new sound. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Even though some of these tracks do hark back a little. They do, they do. There's um, definitely a, a, an older style to some But the general vibe of this album is of a new sound. Definitely. So what do you think of the album cover? I love the album cover for this. I mean, it was a nice gatefold, all the way around, mm -hmm. continuous sort of yep. picture. Loved yep. it. In a bag had uh, pictures of the same characters after their relative songs, because obviously each character on the cover relates to one of the songs on the album. So on the inside cover of this, they had, what, the lyrics? The inside of the gate vault was all the lyrics, um, in that kind of pseudo-handwritten style. Okay. Um, but then the inner bag that the actual record was in had the same characters, but after the song, so... So the bag had printing on it. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I've ever seen an album with, with printing on yeah. the, the vinyl bag. Yeah, unless it's like a single sleeve and that's got the lyrics on yeah. it. Yeah, I know what you mean. But yeah, it had a picture, so for example, the uh, um, I think the thief was under arrest. The policeman and the thief were 
together okay. and arrest him. Because you've got on the on this album cover, you've got the, the you've got the devil, mm-hmm. you've got a, a thief, you've got a hunchbacked uh, sort of uh, nobleman, um, you've got death, a judge, nurse. Uh, is that a highway robber? Uh, no, that's a hunter. There's a whole story here, exactly. just on the album. And that is the point of the cover. It's supposed to evoke a storybook. Mm. It's supposed to be like the cover of a storybook. Which works for this album, because you could take it as a series of stories. Well, they are. I was, one of the things I was going to say was that these are... like It's like a collection of short stories in these. Each song tells a story. Mm. The album itself, the cover itself, though, is a particularly awful shade of yellow. Yeah, a bit of a weird choice. Yeah, it's almost bile. Mm. Um, it's, it's not a colour that... Because yeah. it looks like either yellow that's been left in the sun to bleached, or... Maybe it was supposed to look like that, because it's a storybook. It's supposed to look like an old parchment, old you book. Know, I'd never thought of that very so, properly. Yeah, it, it does work when you think look at that. But. It does. I mean, I, I personally think this is the best album cover they've done so far. Definitely, yeah. It's, um, it doesn't look like a piece of art they've just used. Yeah. This is definitely for this occasion. Yeah. I mean, Lamb Lies Down Broadway was... A, fitted with the album but it wasn't particularly good no and it's not well obviously it's art yeah but i mean it's not it's a collage yeah and then obviously selling england fit that album perfectly yes but wasn't a wasn't an original piece of work for that album and b really that good (laughs) so but up to now this is my favorite of their album covers so far not my favourite album cover of all time of theirs, though. Keep listening to the podcasts to find out which one is my favourite. No spoilers. Okay. So it was released? 13th of February 1976. So start of the year. Oh. They went on to tour almost straight away, but we'll talk about it in a bit. Yeah, sure. So shall we listen to the first track? Let's, and that is? It's a load of rubbish. No, it's not really. <laughs> Dance on a volcano. Dancing the Volcano. What did you think? That was seven for seven for great opening tracks. Wasn't it? What a great tune that Absolutely is. Absolutely brilliant. I love that track. Yeah, so was this was this a Rutherford track? No, no. This was uh, one that Phil and Tony and Michael jammed while Steve was recording his solo album. Um, and then Steve joined a little bit later on. They finished the track off between the four of them. And all four of them wrote the lyrics together. Wow, because it, it really is such a great track. It's a, as you say, it's a good powerhouse opener. It is. I mean, it's... It's really different to what they've done before as well. They're a lot more straightforward, like we said before, straightforward rock. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think of the lyrics to this track? Well, it's about climbing a volcano, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But I think, I, I think actually, you know, it's a bit of a metaphor for Peter leaving the band. Why? Um, because you know, talking about um, all the pitfalls that you encounter, and it says, you know, on your left, on your right. The crosses are red, the crosses are blue, your friends didn't make it through. But it's talking about this single person who has started this climb up the volcano and is making it through on his own. So I think actually, you know, it's a bit of a them saying, you can do it to Peter Gabriel, you know, we're, we're, off you go, we'll carry on as you were, as we were, you go on and do what you need yeah. to do. That's, that's very good of them, and it, well, considering <laughs> potentially this could have ruined the band. Potentially. I mean, they always got on really well, even when everybody left. I mean, Anthony Phillips, they still were friends with him after he left the band. It's not it's like... It's hard to imagine. You hear a lot of acrimonious splits in oh, bands. You know, you think of Richie Blackmore leaving Deep Purple. Yeah. It just bitterness abounds. Well, to be honest, anything to do with Richie Blackmore is bitterness. Mm, well, yeah, that's true. But it just seems like there's a lot of bitterness when people leave bands and they fight and they bitch each other and it goes through the courts usually quite publicly quite publicly and then ten years later when they've all run out of money they do a reunion tour <laughs> you know but this never happened with Genesis people left the band despite how much people would have liked it exactly mm. and they remained friendly I mean, Peter Gabriel wished when he finally issued his statement that he was leaving he wished the band well and he said that I know they're going to carry on with him he was their biggest fan basically so you think this was them just going cheers Pete yeah all the best yeah I really think it was I think this dance on the volcano is a meta for a solo career or for, for not necessarily a solo career but for um, leaving a group and being you know leaving successful. your comfort leaving your comfort zone yeah. and doing something on your own and I think that's what it is and being successful yeah and being successful I really hope that's true because that would be really nice yeah my interpretation of the lyrics is that it's not just a straight go, go up this volcano and do a bit of dance on it because that would be a bit silly a bit weird yeah, yeah. bit but, Joe Voss's volcano yeah, I think it is I mean and then you bear in mind that Peter Gabriel did uh, Salisbury Hill mm. which is all about him leaving Genesis and it's the same sort of imagery going up a hill they were all on the same wavelength see I already like this track and now I like it more yeah it is it's a great track I really really love it yeah and it's, it's as we said such a great opener it is it's a, a very funny uh, misprint for the lyrics to this track on Seconds Out yes there's a line that says um, the lava's a lover who licks your boots away right on seconds out, rather unfortunately, said the lava's a lover who licks your boobs away. That's some licking. Yeah, it is. It is. And if the lava's got that high, yeah, you hey. it's licked away a lot more than just your yeah, boobs. It has you, your boobs are the least of your worries at this point. They are. Yeah. Speaking of least of your worries, um, you're looking a bit pale. I think it's the blood loss. Uh, I'm actually starting to feel quite quite faint. Oh, um, a thing we should call a nurse. Um, why don't you just have a bit of a lie down and listen to a lovely, relaxing track? I think that would be very nice. Okay, this is Entangled.
Hospital. Still? Yeah. My you... legs. Oh, oh, it's the cast. Thank God. Oh, what? I'm still missing a toe. Where's my toe? Why is that glass empty? What have you done with my toe? Nothing. <sighs> where are we? We're in the doctor's office still. Um, no. Where are we in the album? Um, we just listened to Entangled. Did you ah. enjoy that track? Did you hear that track? I don't know. I was in a misty place, surrounded by nurses. That was it. Yeah. That was that was the one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Then I heard it. Yeah. What do you think? I love this track. It's sweet. It's not one you listen to loudly in the car going down the motorway hoping to impress girls you should drive by. However... Depends what sort of girls. No, you're right. Yeah. Um, however, very nice track. It's one of those you want to sing along to if mm. you knew the words. Yes, I mean, speaking of the words, these yeah. lyrics are by Steve. Are they? Yes, they are. Um, the music is by Steve and Tony together. This is what we were talking about earlier where Steve had a bit of a track, Tony had a bit of a track, and they welded them, them together. together and, this yeah. seems to be a, quite a theme with Genesis, welding yeah, together of ideas. It does, it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it works very well, don't get me wrong, but they, they seem to be uh, very good at mm. melding separate ideas together yes. into a coherent track. Yes. And um, this is a prime example of that. Yeah, it's a, it, I, I do really like this track. I do think it is a little bit twee. It is twee, but it kind of harkens back to the old days of Genesis well, because it's very, it's very instrument uh, guitar led again. I was going to say exactly the same thing. It, you could imagine this on Trespass. Easy, yeah. And that's why work. I was saying when we started this whether any of these tracks were left mm. over from previous albums because yes. this sounds like a reject from Trespass. I think if anything, this is a track of Steve bits. Anyways. It's the track that's left over from Voyage of the Acolyte because a lot of Voyage of the Acolyte sounds like this. Right. And you've not listened to Voyage of the Acolyte. So I have not, but I'm sure you're going to make me at some point. Maybe we should at some point listen to to those. Maybe Because this is this is a typical Steve Hackett solo track, basically. So if you like this, you'll like, like those. But I think Phil's vocals very much in his older style so the sort of the more for me and or for absent friends style feels singing but again this harkens back to the earlier days yes he's again not... almost their folk roots again yeah i mean phil's not 100 percent comfortable in his vocals but but phil's vocals really come into their own when he's shouting down the microphone's wrong but when he's putting power yeah. behind it. But it doesn't work so well when he's singing this kind of song exactly but he's not yet learned to do that i mean he's still in that frame of singing that slightly higher pitched vocal style that he's he's always had yeah um and certainly on the next album he'll start to pitch a bit lower and it'll sound more the way he does later on but this is the same pitch he was using when he was singing counter melody on the early tracks with peter gabriel exactly yeah exactly so he's not into he's not a lead singer yet yeah yeah he's never wanted to be a lead singer and which now which is strange because the first track on this album which was the first one they wrote wasn't it mm. he's Straight off the bat, powerful. Yeah. And now he's gone back into an old subservient yeah. role in this track. But again, that kind of that is the way this song works. Then. Oh yeah, you couldn't you couldn't sing this another way. Yeah. There's a track on Voyage of the Acolyte called Star of Sirius, which Phil sings, and he sings it like this. But that was obviously recorded before the band had decided he was going to be the lead singer. Yeah. 
So again, I think at this point he's not yet comfortable being a lead singer. He's not decided he wants to be 100%. So he's still singing in that, like you say, that counter melody, backing vocal, high pitched voice, which he'll start to lose. Yeah, but I like the track. It's a good track. I do. I love it. I think yeah. it's great. Nice instrumental piece, and um, the lyrics aren't offensive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it's about mental health. What do you think? It's about health of some description. Yeah. Something that I'm sorely lacking at the moment. <laughs> well, yeah. Sorry about that. I'm still bleeding heavily. You are. You are. Um, Shall we go on to the next track before I actually pass out? Oh, let's something that wake you up. What's that? Squonk. Yes, yes, that would be much louder, thank you very much. It's a bit like Cashmere by Led Zeppelin, wasn't it? Very much so, but at the same time being its own thing. Mm. I mean, I know they thought of Cashmere when they were writing this, so that gave them the impetus to write this track, that nice sort of bass beat that continues all the way through. Yeah, definitely the drums and the bass lines, very, very reminiscent of Led Zeppelin, I think. But then when this kicks off, it gets much more melodic, but mm. Cashmere didn't. It yeah. stayed with that bass track all the way through. Yeah. But no, I, I like this track. This track is a really great track. Yeah, I mean, and bearing in mind as well, this is the vocal performance that convinced the rest of the band that Phil... Was and you can see that because it did perfect vocals. Yep. Like this. You couldn't couldn't imagine somebody else singing. This. No, definitely. I mean, Peter couldn't sing this. No, definitely not. He hasn't got the power at this point. He might have got away with Entangled. Yes, definitely would have. Probably would have got away with Dancing on a Volcano. But not this. But definitely not this. This no, is this absolutely is definitely where we're starting to reach beyond Gabriel's input. But this track, based on the North American story of the Squonk, mm-hmm. a creature that, when captured, bursts into a flood of tears. Yeah, a bit like you when they ask you to leave the pub. On a Saturday night. Yeah. Which they do, but, you know. Hey, that's life. Yeah. But I love this track. I think this is one of my favourite tracks on the album. It is. It is a really good track. This is a brilliant track. However, I think the production on this track is a little bit flat. Really? I much prefer the live versions of this. I still love I still love this song, don't get me wrong. It's not like Dusk or anything like that where I don't like the album version, but I do like the live version. I like this track and I like this song, but I think the album version is a little bit 
overproduced, a little bit flat. So just as a sort of counterbalance that, could you play as a little bit of a live track? Yeah, I could do, yeah, yeah. The version from the seconds out. saying at the beginning mm-hmm. a percussion led track yes yeah see I'm starting to see what you mean with that because three tracks in two of them have been very drum heavy yeah um, but again they followed that same sort of format of loud track to start with quieter track mm-hmm. with Entangled obviously and then this one this is where they broke the format because normally you'd be expecting a not maybe not another quiet track but another less energetic um, energetic mm. oh, this is this is like another opening track but this is what I'm saying with um, the fact that we're getting a slightly new sound for Genesis mm. now. Because we, as we're going to progress through the albums, we're going to see a lot more percussion-led tracks. Mm. You're going to see a lot more change in sound as well from now on. Definitely, definitely. And this, this was where it started. Most bands, when they've just had a singer leave, or a member of the band, they will try a new sound. This band's just reached in there and they found this new sound. But, unlike some bands, this is one they will stick with for the mm. rest of their career. Yeah. Although it does have a, a new sound to it, the end, I think, sounds very much like something of selling England by the pound. Yeah. Um, when, it, you know, when it's sort of fading out, the little ding, ding, yep. ding, ding, yep. ding, But then there must be only so many different ways you can end a song. You yeah. either fade out or you repeat until fade out, or you just suddenly stop. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's pretty much it, I think. And Genesis have never been great at ending songs. And Well, of course, they, they had the uh, White Mountain on Trespass, where they just whistled. Yes. As an outro. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they've never been good at ending songs. But no, but yeah. there are only a limited number of ways you can end a song. Yeah, definitely. So it's like the... Bang! Yeah. Which is, you know, that could get boring if you do that at the end of every song. Yeah, exactly. I think my... Apart from the criticism of the production, I think some of the lyrics are a bit weak on this... Towards the end, especially. I just love the sound of this yeah, track. Yeah, I mean, you've got that lyric, you know, all in all, you are a very dying race. Uh, doesn't really make sense. That's about the squonk, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's but, dying, man. Yeah, but a very dying race. It makes sense. Not grammatically correct. Hands up for the squonk. I, I mean, disapprove of grammatically incorrect things. Do use. Yes. <laughs> but it, overall, a great track. Yeah, I love it. I do like this it. This is one of my favourite tracks on the album. It is. It is. I think I must have said that to every track so yeah. far on this album. It is one of your favourite tracks on the album. It is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to stand by that. Yes. It's definitely one of my favourite tracks. So let's hear one of my favourite tracks on the album. Okay. Which is Madman Moon. Okay.
So, well, I still have the strength left in my body to fight you. <laughs> I know we're going to fight about this track. I'd easily win. You would at the moment, because yeah. I'm missing a toe and bleeding to death. Yeah. But I don't like this track. <sighs> I don't know. Calm yourself. Calm yourself. Put the saw back down. This is a great track. This is probably Phil's best vocal performance on this, this album. How can you say that? It goes into that old brilliant classical madrigal piano bit in the middle. It, it's got everything. It's got key changes. Uh, what are you on no, about? it's just dull. I don't like the beginning. It's too twee. Then it goes into a nice instrumental bit which picks up a baguette. A baguette? A baguette? A, a baguette. <laughs> I mean, there's food everywhere in this track. What does it have in its baguette? Cheese. <laughs> um, anyway, then it picks up a bit. Yeah. And the music kicks in, but the vocals never really do. They're still <sighs> singing in that twee... Uh, like it did on Untangled, mm. but it doesn't go very well. I don't uh, like this track. See, I, I, I think this. Well, this is one of my favourite ones on the album. I, it's really good. I think it's got some interesting musical passages to it. I think the lyrics are interesting. I think, like I say, I think it's Phil's best vocal performance on this album. Um, I, just, I just really, really like this whole track. Well, uh, just as a counterpoint to that, you're mm-hmm. wrong. Sorry, sorry, you're not, you're not going to persuade me on this one. Uh, it's, it's just not one of my favourite tracks. If they cut this off, like my toe, I wouldn't have been upset. Unlike my toe. But I mean, Steve plays some great King Crimson style guitar on it. It's got an absolutely brilliant piano performance from Tony. That's one of his best performances as well. See, so you lost me at King Crimson. Oh, King Crimson are amazing. You should broaden your horizons. You keep telling me that. You keep telling great. me. Well, maybe after Genesis. Yeah. Yay! No! <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that. Um, anyway, you're wrong, because this is one of uh, David Bedeal's favourite tracks of all time <gasps> that he put on his Desert Island discs. Then it must be true. Yeah, yeah, David Bedeal wouldn't lie. Yeah. You've got to fit it in the music, David Bedeal. So tell me then about uh, this third disc that we're going to hear. Well, the other <laughs> almost total constant in my musical life is Genesis, and I am very out about being a Genesis fan, and I think that's important for me to say, because when I was about 16... I was genuinely very into punk rock, listening to John Peel. I tried to backcomb my hair very badly, didn't really know how to do it. And then Dave Gavrin, who's an important figure in my life as well, and is in a band called The Sundays, and who I was in a band with, played me Wind and Wuthering by Genesis. And I remember listening to it and thinking, oh no, this is really beautiful and I really like this. But the last thing I can be in 1976 in London is a Genesis fan. But... Loads of their songs are incredibly beautiful, uh, and this song with Mad Mad Moon is one of the most beautiful songs. Oh, how I love you, I once cried long ago, but I was the one who decided to go to search beyond the final crest, though I've heard it said just. So I pretended to have wings for my arms And took off in the air I flew to places which the clouds never see Too close to the deserts of sand Where a thousand... He lived in 
lived with Frank Skinner. They're both big Genesis fans. You're not selling it. But this is obviously a Tony Banks track. Obviously. Um, it's got his fingerprint. It's got his dabs all over it. Yes, he's, he's got his dabs all over it. That's an interesting tie into the next track. But he ends it on a bit of a downer, doesn't he? Yeah. He's like Peter Gabriel all over again. Yeah, Peter Gabriel sets up this happy guy standing on a building. <laughs> And then he jumps off. This is Tony doing Peter Gabriel. This guy's trapped in the desert. How does he get out? By imagining he's got wings. But then, oh, it's just a dream. He's still trapped. Trapped. He's probably going to die in the desert. Like me in this room. Yeah, it's hot in this room, isn't it? Getting hot in this room. Yeah. When's that doctor coming back? I don't know, but I wish he'd hurry up. Shall we go on to the next track? Yeah. Robbery, Assault and Battery. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do to you if you don't admit you like Madman Moon. Never, and supper's ready. Never going to happen. The streets were deserted, though the police were alerted. They considered the phone call a hoax. Furtively glancing, then jauntily prancing, they get caught the guards unaware. Slipping between them, he ought to have seen them. The eyes and their own are so near. Do you not like this one? Well, they're trying to hark back to the good old days. They are. And it doesn't work as well. No. I mean, the original one, Battle of Epping Forest, had interesting characters, mm-hmm. interesting voices being used. It had a lot of fun to it. Mm. This has none of those. See, this is trying to be funny. And as we know, that never works. Tell us about it. Yeah, exactly. Mm. We but, are very trying. But this is um, not funny. Yeah. This is retreading something they don't need to retread they're, mm. they're a good band they don't know, need to try and grasp at something they've done before there's no punchline no so Battle of Epping Forest the punchline is they didn't need to have the battle at all because in the end it's a draw so they toss a coin yeah that's funny punchline Harold the Barrel is he jumps off and kills himself it's not a funny punchline dead um, you know, same similar sort of thing get them out by Friday the punchline is ha, people are going to be shorter now so everybody else has got to move out of those nice new flats we've just moved into there's a punchline there's no punchline to this no. he I gets mean, away it's, it's just like they wanted to redo Battle of Everybody yeah, exactly. but there's, this is not as much fun and there's no redeeming characters in this no. it's all the robber and he's a bad guy and he gets away and then he gets caught but he's going to get away and he'll do it again nobody so, likes that story no, exactly nobody likes that there's no justice in this no and the problem is it's trying to be funny and it's not funny like this podcast yeah this song is this podcast it is 
it in is. a nutshell. Everything about this podcast. But again, you listen to this and you wish you listened to Battle of Epping Forest. Yeah, I mean, which is weird because musically it's really good. Yeah, I mean, musically it's fine. There's a really nice little um, guitar riff mm. in that that's playing all the way through the song. Yeah. Um, and it, when you listen to your headphones, you can really hear that nice little riff playing. And I think if they hadn't done the voices, mm. you wouldn't have made the association with Battle of Epping Forest. No, probably not. But I mean, Phil performs it well. I mean, he's obviously he's come from a, the background of stage school, so he's gone back to that. But this song should be the best song on the album because on paper it's got all the right ingredients, but his execution just doesn't work at all. Like my cooking. Yeah, exactly. You know, and those table jellies we bought that time. In reality, lots of vomiting. Yeah, it wasn't nice. No. I don't want that again. Yeah, not good. No, they were too no, big. They were too big. You no, need some jelly the size of a table. Exactly, and, and you know, you put your hot food on it, it just melts before yeah. you get a chance to eat the jelly, and nobody. Or it just sinks to the middle of it. Nobody wants that. No. So it just tries too hard, I think, this track. And it's, yeah. a, to- it's a Tony track. Again, Tony's all over this. His dabs are all over this. Cool, blinding Haha. <laughs> and it, yeah, he's just trying too hard to replace Peter Gabriel's humour. Yeah, and it's not working, is it? No, it's not. And he tries this once more on the next album, and then he doesn't try it again. Probably for the best. Yeah. So shall we move to the next track? Oh, one last thing, Ooh. actually. Yeah. This is the second Genesis song to feature a swear word. <gasps> Mamma mia. Mm. What's the word? Bastards. Okay, so we can say bastard. Yeah. Can we say... No, only in context. Oh. So the next track is... Ripples. 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 The face that launched a thousand ships Is sinking fast That happens, you know Water gets below Seems not very long ago Lovelier she was Than any that I know Angels never know It's time To close the book Gracefully decline The songs found a tale My what a jealous fool is she The face in the water looks up She shakes her head as if to say At the blue girls of all Yeah, they never come back. What? Ripples. What? But you remember Ripples? It was like a chocolate bar. It was like a flake, but it had chocolate on the outside. Oh, I love that. They never came back. That was awesome. They were. They were great. Where did they go? I don't know. Got I know the where other. they went. They've gone to the other side. Moving swiftly along. 
So what do you think of this track? It's lovely, isn't it? It is lovely. Mm. It's twee. It's lovely. And it's, well... It's very melancholy. It is, but it doesn't keep... I don't think this really works on this album. Mm. It should have been on maybe Trespass. Mm. Um, because it doesn't fit in with the sound they're tr- now trying to generate, I don't think. Well, I mean, this again, this was written specifically for Phil to yeah. sing. So Phil would have sung this even if they got under the singer. It's obviously been written with him in mind. So they've written it in the style of More Fool Me for Absent Friends again. So it's more genteel and, and slower. But the band... From what we've seen so far of this album, the new sound they're obviously trying to create, mm. this doesn't fit in with that. No, no, it doesn't, but I mean... It's old school for that. And it is a Tony song as well. Tony's dominating this album. Mm. And this Do you is... think there's a power struggle at the moment? No, I think Tony's stepped into the market. I think there was a power struggle between Peter and Tony. Yeah. Peter's gone, so that leaves Tony. Yeah. I think the other members, Mike in particular, will step up. Yeah. And that power struggle will become a two-way thing, and then a three-way thing is Phil comes into his own and it's going to result in spoiler alert Steve Hackett leaving the band but I think at the moment it's Tony Tony's dominating he's the dominating voice in this band Steve plays along with this track really really nicely and that stops it being 100% Tony yeah. keyboard yeah. and um, it's very nice it's a very nice sound mm. just um, again not one of my favourite tracks it's just nice yeah I mean I know you mean it fitting into an old this is probably the closest on this album to a track that could have been on Selling the Bug it sounds like a continuation of uh, Dancing with the Moon at Night to me. I would have actually put it earlier than that I was gone with Trespass I'm more thinking of you know because Dancing with the Moon obviously fades away into kind of nothing yes. you could almost imagine this then fading back in and being the second half of that track because yeah. it has a similar sort of mood but yeah I like this track and it's it's deservedly regarded as a classic I think, but and I get what you're saying. It's a bit twee and it's a bit old. Yeah, mm. it's old. But they they are also trying to lay out this is what we are now. Maybe that's trying to appease the fans they already have. Quite probably, yeah. I mean, uh, but then Tony does tend to write this sort of music. Yeah. So a lot of the songs like this come from Tony. But uh, I like it. I can listen to it. And this is also one of the three tracks they made videos for in this album. Really? Yeah, they made a video for this, which is a straightforward performance video of the band Phil Collins looking a little bit awkward <laughs> so now they um, did a video for the next track yeah they did a video for Robbery Assault and Battery which was them in costume Phil being a robber and the others playing policemen and they did like you say they did the next track which mm. you can tell which is the title track was that the one they released as a single yes it was yeah, yeah. so yeah. shall we take a listen to that one? yeah listen to that cheer up a bit Be 
beast that can talk More like a freak or publicity stunt Very upbeat album, nice little pop song. It was, wasn't it? Um, the, the song I called the influence for this was a William Golding story. Yes, that's right, The Inheritors. Yeah, about an alien who comes to Earth mm, and yeah. discovers Earthlings and what they're like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. I yeah. mean, this is the the first pop song they wrote, really. Um, and it, I know their first, very first album, they were trying to write pop songs, but it didn't really come off as pop songs. Not really. This comes across as a pop song. It does. It's, it's, um, it's upbeat. It's got a good tempo. Mm, um, it's got a good beat. Um, it's got a good beat. You can dance to it. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure you could dance to it, to be perfectly honest. Um, but no, it's a perfectly nice track. I yeah. like this track. It's, I, it's a good track. Yeah, I mean, they released it as a single. I'm surprised it wasn't a hit. Um, no, it didn't chart, did it? No, it didn't at all. So this didn't chart. Didn't. No, I'm guessing that's because uh, 76 we had a lot of disco in the charts. Yeah, and you got the start, start of punk in 76 as yeah, well. Yeah, that was coming in. So um, it's got a lot of new sounds to go up against. But and then you've, was... you've still got glam rock. You've still got people like The Sweet and Mud and uh, oh, Bay City Rollers are releasing singles at this. And this kind of fits in with that sort of style of pop. Yeah, but I mean, progressive rock was going out of the charts. We were it was. Seeing, we, hadn't, we hadn't got Yes in the charts or, you know, that sort of band mm. uh, being predominantly in the charts anymore. Yeah. It is stuff like, as you say, Mud, The Glitter Band, yeah. Rubettes, that sort of thing. Yeah, but then you can imagine one of those bands doing this song and having a big hit with it. Yeah, yeah. So why not Genesis? It, it just seems really odd to me that it wasn't a yeah. bigger thing. But I It guess could have the, been Times Were Changing. At the time, they were an album band as well. Yeah. You know, they'd yeah. had I Know What I Like as a, a hit, but nothing since. Yeah. Um, so it, just the fans, I mean, the fans were buying the album. They weren't interested in singles, which, you know, Led Zeppelin never had it. I've always been like that. I'm, mm. I don't think I've really bought singles in my life. If I've liked a band, I've gone out and bought the album. Yeah. I mean, I, as a fan, I buy singles, but I buy singles if they've got extra tracks on, on the album. You buy everything. Or if it's the first single off an album before the album's released, I buy that because I want to hear that. Or if it's got a different colour. Or if it's by Peter Gabriel in any way. Yes. Um, anyway. Yes. <laughs> do you think this song's got hidden meaning? Uh, I don't do meanings. I, I listen to the tracks and I boogie along, and if it's got a good chorus, I'll sing along. Meanings? I'm too shallow. So you think this is about immigration? Because, you know, this beast's come from his home. He had no real reason to leave his home, apparently, but he came to this place and nobody likes him and everybody hates him and, you know, they call him names and stuff. Are you taking this personally because this is like you? Um, everybody calls me names. I don't like it. No. no. I can see what you mean about this. So but, then, a... but then that was the point of William Golding's original story, mm. wasn't it? It was about an alien looking at our society from an alien point of view. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, it could be that. So, or the other thing that occurred to me yeah. is at the end of the song is the trick in the trick of the tale the fact that the beast has actually lured people to his city of gold and now they've been captured because you know, is it the end, a literal city of gold in this well because at the end he says hello friend welcome home and then the people are still there so what happens to them perhaps they get end up put in a cage mm, it's a bit twilight zone it is a bit isn't it mm. 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 Yeah. it's but... a cookbook <laughs> how to serve man <laughs> I love that story anyway <laughs> um, yes so yeah so perhaps he tricks them at the end and that's the trick yeah could be, could be. or perhaps he's the devil as it appears to be on the cover I think you're reading way too much into the story <laughs> I've but... been reading too much I'm feeling a bit delirious actually I think I'm the one losing what's... blood yeah but what's this I'm drinking it's really sweet that's ethanol it's making me feel a bit funny that's ethanol 
You should stop drinking that. Do you want some on your leg? No, thank you very much. I'm fine. Okay. Just the masses of blood is fine. Thank it's you. It's dried much. up now. It'll scab over nicely. I don't think that. No, it's just soaking into the plaster. It's not scabbing. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Mm. Anyway, we're nearly at the end of this, aren't we now? Yes. Last track. Los Endos. That's right. Mm. And I've lost the end off my leg. Thank <laughs> you. Ah, ah. You see what I did there? Yeah. I saw what you did there. I saw. I want to go home. <laughs> A musical interlude. Well, an end to lead. Ah, yeah, that's what you did there. Yeah, yeah. yeah musical interlude, but it um, has reprises of both the Swank and Dead Scott Volcano. Yeah, I... just to keep the theme going there. They did this on an earlier album, didn't they, with the final track? Yeah, the Isle of Plenty on Southern England. They did, yeah, but yeah. we had uh, reprises of the, the themes throughout the album. Yeah, um, yeah, I really like this track. I think it's great. Yeah, it's a good way to end the album. Yeah, really good instrumental. Yeah, I really like it. Um, I could listen to this independent of the album. Really? Yeah. You like it that much? Mm. Uh, I'm not sure I like it that much, mm. but I do like it. Yeah. yeah, it's a kind of a weird way to end the album with a musical exit, shall we say? But it's a good way to end the album, I think, because it it's it ties up the whole album, and then it ends, you know, goes off into the sunset almost. Almost as if we were ending an anthology of stories. Mm, exactly, yeah. Mm. So it's kind of the yeah, epilogue. Yeah, when you look at it that way, I suppose mm. it could it could work that way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's called The End, after all. Is that what Los Endos means? Yeah, yeah. Wow, you're so talented with linguals. I know, I speak Spanish. You do. Um, <laughs> so uh, that's a lot jazzier than the rest of the tracks they've done before. Uh, Phil wanted to bring that kind of looser style that he'd been playing in Brand X. Yeah. Um, into the band so there is, there is that almost feel of uh, throwing this together as mm. you sit there um, it doesn't feel structured in a way that you know as written music it doesn't feel that structured until we get into the reprises yeah it's like nothing else they've done before though as well yeah it sounds completely different to any yeah. other Genesis track whilst at the same time being recognisably Genesis it is also like nothing they will do ever again I don't know I mean I think the instrumentals on the next album sound very similar to this uh, I think going a little bit further this could be part of the Duke um, instrumental passages I see well, yes yes it could couldn't it mm. yeah yeah yeah. I take back everything I've said 
Yeah. Right to the very first podcast. Excellent. Yeah. So I was right. I'm sure a lot of people would be very happy about that. Sadly, we can't erase that from people. They have heard it. They cannot unhear it. To be fair, not many people heard it. No, that's true. Mm. That's a small mercy, I suppose. It is. It is. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the opening section of this was taken from another track they wrote and recorded called It's Yourself, which they eventually released as the B-side to um, Your Own Special Way from the next album. Um, and it'd be, it'd be interesting to hear those two spliced together, I think. But yeah. Yeah. it would have made it about a ten-minute track. Mm. It's Yourself is not that great a track, but it's interesting. No, but spliced with this, it could have worked. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But yeah, one thing that I find quite interesting is as the song is fading out, Phil sings that there's an angel standing in the sun. You pick that up? No, that, I didn't. That's from Supper's Ready. Is it really? Yeah, he says there's an angel standing in the sun, free to get back home. And apparently he improvised that in the studio while they were recording. Um, and they left it in as a tribute to Peter Gabriel. Oh, so much so, hidden in so, They're so happy. He's left. He's left. Great. You've left Pete. Great. Why can't they be a bit bitter about it? I don't know. It I don't know. It, it, you sort of, it's like you just imagine they're, they're doing this with gritted teeth and they're slapping each other behind yeah. the scenes. But yeah. Showing a, a youth they clearly front, No. They clearly weren't. They, they clearly, clearly were very happy about it all. Yeah. Um, so, so one thing this song does remind me of, though, is uh, the theme tune to the Russ Abbott show, "Songs of Joy." Um, do you remember that? You're going to be surprised when I say no. Oh, well, find it and play it to you because no, it sounds like Take your word it sounds right. like it. Right. Yeah. All I remember from the Russ Abbott show was Bella Rambo. Oh yeah. yeah. It wasn't a crush thing. Are you sure? Mostly, but it's just that I remember that. It's the bit where he goes dee 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 dee. Sounds like the Russ Abbott show, as you will see when you listen back to this. Yeah. I'm going to find it and I'm going to edit it. <laughs> oh, okay, right. So, is that the end of this album? That's the end of that album. Right. So, that's it then. Phil Collins has ruined Genesis and everything they do from now on is going to be crap. Do you think? No, I don't think that, but lots of people do. Really? Yeah, yeah. Not popular though, is he? Well, the thing is, you could say that, but then they go on to much bigger and better things. They become much more popular. They become a world-class band. They do. They now start playing to sell-out stadiums. I mean, Sell-out on... being the operative word. Yes. That's not what I think. No, obviously not what you <laughs> think. But, I mean, they really do. I mean, on this tour alone, that they, um, I believe they play uh, London three nights in a row mm-hmm. because they sell out. Yeah. I mean, this isn't a particularly long tour. No. But it's in biggest places they play. Yeah, 140,000 in mm-hmm. uh, some of the American yep. stadiums they do. Interesting fact there is that uh, the very first date they played, it was in Ontario, in London, Ontario. Um, Phil was so unsure about being the lead singer at that point that Mike and Steve introduced some of the songs. Really? Yes. Because he didn't have the... Yeah, he yeah. didn't know what to do. He wasn't used to be in the front. So um, there are photos from that concert of Mike and Steve standing at the front of the stage introducing the songs. But, I mean, he did come into his own eventually because, yeah. well, people 
Peter bought the theatricality to it, mm-hmm. Phil bought the humour. Yeah. Um, when he was doing the live shows, he, you know, he was a funny guy. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And Phil never needed to rely on costumes, which to an extent. Peter Gabriel still does today. You know, he still relies on riding around the stage on a Segway or being in a big Zorb yeah. or something. He relies on the gimmicks, whereas Phil Collins never does. He's always been about engaging directly with the audience as he is. But then again, Peter Gabriel is he's a very introverted person, mm. so it seems. Yes. Whereas Phil Collins is an outgoing yeah. guy. Yeah. So you could see how he could dominate the stage just with himself. Exactly, yeah. Whereas Peter had to rely on props. Yeah, yeah. He had to hide behind something. Yes. To, to get masks, literally and figuratively. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think this album is great. I mean, Phil's not delivering his best performance on this album. No, he's just coming into his own. Thing. Exactly. He's, he's finding his feet. It's his first album, but he does a fantastic job. I, I mean, agree. This is a great album to listen yeah, to. I mean, we, we, to be fair, we haven't had a bad album so far. No. But considering what the trauma that they've just gone through, <laughs> they've come out with a cork. Yeah, I mean, I think these tracks, like I said before, some of them are produced a little bit flat. Um, and I think the live versions of these tracks, where Phil has got used to singing and used to be in front of an audience, I think the live versions of these tracks are better because he's got used to it and he's more comfortable with the role of the lead singer. Whereas this, he's still a little bit hesitant. He's still not giving his power. I can't fault the tracks and I can't fault his singing. I just think he gets better. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it will now come, as we start moving on from album to album, mm. he will become more and more himself. Yeah, exactly. He's going to become more like the Phil we know today. No and love. Phil we know and love, and we do love him. We do. We do love Phil. He's great. And I want to make it obvious that me saying that Phil destroyed Genesis, that's not what I think of. No, but a lot, as you say, many people do. There's the big camp. When you mention Genesis, it's like when you mention ACDC. People Mm. know Bon Scott or not Bon Scott. Or that other guy. Yeah, or the other guy. (laughs) Um, When you say, oh, I really like Genesis, they always say Phil or Pete. Yeah. Or Pete or Phil. Yeah. It's the same with Genesis. Yeah. People want to know. Yeah. Okay. Anything else to talk about at this point? No. Overall, that's a great album. Yeah. Good album. I liked it. Uh, a bright new era for Genesis is Indeed. coming. They're going to be more popular than ever. Still going to be people leaving, spoiler alert. But yeah. it's going to be plain sailing from now on. From there, for them. Well, not plain sailing, but up and up. So, that's the end of that one. Yeah, we're just going to wait for that doctor to come. <sighs> Please, uh, somebody, a sponge and not Simon's brain. My brain's not a sponge. It's more like a brick. You ate my toe. I didn't eat your toe, look, it's here. That is a strawberry in a jar. Oh, maybe I did eat your toe. Christ. I thought it was a bit crunchy. I'm leaving that in. Oh, God. <laughs>